Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out So I read that the Foo Fighters were releasing their 10th album, or they just released their 10th album in, I guess, the 25, 26 years of their existence. And it got me thinking about the Foo Fighters, which I don't do often. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's one of those bands that they're rock and roll, but they're just like a rock band that doesn't seem dangerous. Yeah, they're, almost, not, they're not dangerous. And, and although I probably know five to ten of their songs at this point I, I don't think i've ever listened to one of their albums i only know the hits and they're definitely not dangerous but i think that's part of their charm dave Grohl is just such a hard working like good dude it just seems like a good dude kind of i think about them a good bit especially because my boss his uh, kids go to school with dave Grohl's kids so it's ah. funny right before the pandemic hit like the day they sh- shut stuff down i was supposed to go see his little cover band called Chevy Metal at like yeah. an elementary school kids event, They're which I'm cool. still pissed. I really like Chevy, <laughs> Chevy Metal. Chevy Metal. Let's be clear. Besides like, I don't know, the Stones and Guns N' Roses, like no bands are really dangerous. Like they're not out robbing banks or anything. Wait, I don't, I'm I don't understand. Da- dangerous may not edgy. be the right word. They're not edgy. edgy. Yeah. There's no edge. But uh, to Neil's point, that kind of makes them a bit unique. They're, they're very who they are. They're obviously sincere about what they're doing. It's not exactly my thing. It's just not. It's too. It's too chill. I'm obviously a little more intense about shit sometimes, <laughs> and uh, and I kind of like that in my music. Or, or even if it's gonna be chill, I want it to be very chill, like under the boardwalk, where it's like hyper chill. But like, yeah, is hyper chill is that an oxymoron? So, but tons of respect. I mean, there, let's be clear. There's a lot of folks who are very, very popular and very significant that i respect but don't really listen to so yeah they're they're, in, they're actually in good company and i will say this um uh glenn campbell did a cover of times like these and it was freaking awesome yeah, that's one of their that's a great song um, but the glenn campbell cover is freaking great I've, I've never listened to an album i only know the hits but um yeah and i think they don't have any edge or danger because uh, Grohl was in Nirvana. They were plenty edgy and obviously yeah. dangerous. So he was oh, like, got plenty of screw that, right? that. Let me just... He, he's almost like a blue-collar <laughs> rock and roller. I'm just going to clock well, in and pump out hits. Clock in. Well, if you, th- if you think right. about it like that, I mean, other than the fact that it's impressive that he can write a really good pop rock song, the, you know, it, it's almost like the Foo Fighters are just the gravy on his, like, already pretty amazing rock and roll life and that's why it almost to me it sounds like a band that is like a bunch of kids who were good musicians that wanted to be in a rock and roll band and then are in one of the you know biggest rock and roll bands of the last you know 30 years or whatever yeah and it is just gravy but 10 albums of gravy is very significant is gravy too much gravy (laughs) it's gravy it's gravy in a biscuits and gravy situation. So it's a very significant portion of his career. It's not just It's a lot of gravy. It's it's it, but it's very important. It's 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 he's done he spent more time in this band than he did Nirvana at this point, I am sure. Oh, by, I, I'll tell you one probably thing. like I've three never, times, three or four times. 
I've never looked down on my plate and been like, man, there's too much gravy here. It's always <laughs> the other way around. It's not sauce. It's, that, that, that's fair. Not, not um, sauce. Neil, I think that's a good call. He's like, yeah, I've had enough fucking danger. I had a guy die yeah. with a shotgun blast to the fucking face. Like, I'm good. Another funny thing with him, I heard somebody, uh, they were like, he was like, yeah, people ask me, like, why didn't you write any songs when you were in Nirvana? And he was like, well, what's the last thing the drummer says before he gets fired? <laughs> hey, guys, wrote some songs y'all should hear. You know, and so, like, stuff I've been working on. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> Shut here's up and the, hold the beat. I put the amp in the bathtub. Here's the thing I will say this. Uh, the, only, the only thing I don't like about the non-edgy is, like, when they first came out, their videos were kind of funny. They're kind of humorous. And I don't like humor. I, I feel like humor is the easy way out. They get some nerves in music, honestly. Unless it's witty, I like wit, whatever. I don't like comedy and music and videos. But yeah. then, then neither here nor there. But the thing is, that quirk is really indicative of who he is. And so in that sense, he's really expressing himself. He's not going with the generic, I'm a rock guy. And I hate that bullshit tough guy rock and roll stuff because it's like there's musician tough and then there's actual tough and like i love Keith richards but he ain't actually tough he's not he's (laughs) not not he's not boxer tough right he's got he's got like four scarves on at one at one time so your favorite foo fighter song would be times like these i guess both Uh, of you it would be a glenn Campbell cover of a foo fighter song (laughs) yeah (laughs) there's three things that i remember about the foo fighters and that would be the menthos Mentos? Yeah. I can't even Mentos. remember how to say that. The, Men- the Mentos. <laughs> I'm, I'm confusing Mentos with menthols. The Mentos commercial, like, parody video they did, I don't even know what song it was for. Um, and then times like these and, you know, the various covers of that song and, like, the times he's done it. And then... Was that was that Everlong? Was that that Mentos? Because that, that Mentos is a video I didn't like. Well, someone's talking about it. It on my nerves. No, that's the other one. Everlong was not that one. Everlong's a cool song. Everlong is the Mentos commercial, I think. It's not Monkey Wrench? I think it's Monkey Wrench. Don't want to be your Monkey Wrench. It, it, it's, the, it's not Everlong. Everlong's a little more rock. It's not... I don't think it's Everlong. Or there's um, another song. Their, Everlong. Their first hit was the other song I'm thinking of. Best of You? No. Yeah. That's the one I'm Prince covered at the Super Bowl. It, uh, yeah, that big one, that me, one. Big is me that is the one he's the like, song. If, if, if it will take all night. Big me to talk about yeah. it. It sounds like a late 90s, like mid to late 90s alternative rock song. Yeah. But, but anyway, the, the third thing is the song Hero of theirs in the Varsity Blues movie, which is a teen high school movie. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen what? it with uh, James Vanderbeek. And, uh, I, you know, it's funny. I didn't see it until kind of a couple years ago, kind of-ish. I kind of missed it somehow. Uh, <laughs> well, the, 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 they do the hero, and there goes my hero during one of the football scenes, and it's, you know, it was uplifting in, in high school when I was playing football. Um, I, don't, I don't know how it would uh, make me feel now, but on that note, you are listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. And this week, we will be discussing the 1964 hit by the Drifters, Under the Boardwalk. Oh, when the sun beats down and burns the tar up on the roof And your shoes get so hot, you wish your tired feet were fireproof I mean, honestly, I just wanted to discuss it because I wanted to listen to it. And I think it's just a perfect... I think this is perfect music. 
different songs do different things. I'm I'm not saying this is what Mozart does. I'm not saying Mozart is what this does, but I think this is everything I love about music is in this song. You're pulled instantly into another place than you currently are, and you don't even think about musicians or instruments or lyrics or songwriting. It's you're just immediately transported and that is for me the point of music is to take you somewhere help you understand someone's experience and I don't know if any song there are other songs that do it as well but there's lots of amazing songs that well a good bit but I don't know if any song is like oh yeah that song's so much better than Under the Boardwalk I don't think I would ever say that I remember this from early years 95.5 was the class was the oldie station in Mississippi when I was growing up and this song was definitely a staple and I've always loved it but I wouldn't say it's perfect after listening to it all week this week. But the melody in the chorus is so great that any minor complaints I can come up with kind of pale in comparison. It's a very nice song. It has a very kind of nursery rhyme quality to it, or like it's for a Disney movie, which is certainly a compliment, but also the reason I never put it on. I don't really have much history with this song like it's it's a little too sugar-coated and i don't know it's well it's funny that i even say that because one of my first thoughts is there's definitely two very different versions the one where he says we'll be making love okay what's the other yeah. one say we'll be falling we'll be falling in love, in love. Oh, like right. some radio stations wouldn't play it because it seemed like it was about i think it's better falling in love actually okay no it's just i agree no, I, I think it's better, too. I, I think when they say making love, it almost makes it seem like it's a funny song about banging under a dirty boardwalk while you smell junk food. It's <laughs> definitely dirty. <laughs> they, they actually recorded two completely different versions of the song just for that line. So I hear what you're saying. It, it's, it's pretty sweet and, and syrupy, but I think that's what I like about it because it's like from a time that we're like – I don't know if there's ever anything like a crush when you're 14, 15, 16, and, and you're learning about the potential and depths of like emotion you can feel about somebody. And so there's a little bit of teeth in the, and it's like it, it's in the fact that there's some blues elements in there and the rhythm yeah, is spectacular, yeah. but no, it's not. I hear what you're saying, but I, I don't think it's up about a, a time that is, and I think Pixar at best sounds like this. I want to be clear. Like it's yeah, this. Is yeah, funny. sure. Sure. I, and I agree with you. It does paint a wonderful picture. If you're like at a boardwalk with some girl you met, they're obviously kind of young, you know, you're, you know, it's just, it's a great time. Who doesn't want to be in that situation under the boardwalk, making out with some beautiful girl you think you're going to, you know, fall in love with. Or are it's the best. It's really it. That's like the one to me. That's what the Wonder Years was. That whole show is just that. Yeah, I mean, this is it's it's just a personification of like it's young love. If you think about like where were the first places you were making out or fooling around with somebody or having sex, it was. Uh, I mean, for me in rural Mississippi, it was like maybe on a couch or probably in a truck, like out or in a car out in the out in, in the fucking woods, like you know, parked on a gravel road or something. This is uh, under a board. <laughs> but but it, it is it's like you know if you I guess if you lived in the Jersey I'm, I'm just assuming this is like the Jersey Shore or Coney Island or something like that but it, you know if you lived in that place there that's a place that as kids you could get away to like explore you know your first kind of sexual encounters the other thing that maybe really bakes this into me my psyche and why I love it so much is like because I was about four hours from the beach so going to the beach is a very special thing it wasn't a boardwalk but there's something about the way the land changes. You get there and it's the beach and it's like summer nights in the south. And like 
girls and just music and like, like chicks like in bikinis or just bathing suits and it's just such an amazing time in your life i don't know that i think there are other things that happen in your life that are equally as cool but i don't think there will ever be anything else quite like that at least for me i mean it, as good yeah. but not the same no I, th- I think it does paint that picture but you know to my point it's kind of like just them talking about just the smell of the food and which their feet were fireproof it's just kind of like it's a little just But that's how cheesiness. it starts. But then they switch and that's why I love it cuz they're like each of the three sections are great. It starts out with the that part da 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 and then they get under the boardwalk da and right and then but then they get into the then that last part da 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 dude and each one is fan fucking each one of those could be its own song. And I love that. The thing about the songwriting of this song is that, like, there are three distinct sections. The first one that's and then the second section, which is the and then the third, which is the and I think each one of those is spectacular. I've always said good songs or, or the best songs start good get better and then do something you would have never thought of and that's why they're fantastic and i think this song does that and i i I, that's what kind of has my jaw on the floor about the songwriting yeah i agree with that i mean the 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 third part is definitely melodically just it goes to another level and the second part is great The, the first part is fine it's not anything super special second part it kind of picks it up the third part is one of those should be in the louvre melodically it's just amazing it's become such a staple melody it feels like it's always been around you know like one of those songs that just felt like it was out there like it, you don't even know who wrote it yeah and I, you know I, I was listening to the album this was on and it, it basically came out with up on the roof and on broadway which are very similar songs but this song is better than both of those because of that third section and the melody in it. Because they're very similar, but that third part just takes it to another level. It's just something different that kind of takes it out of the out of the atmosphere, like into space. Yeah, and the the chorus part, the under the boardwalk, or not? I don't know what would you call that. The pre-chorus. I would call it the <laughs> B section. I would just call it the B section, just to the, keep it the simple. The B section, but it. I mean, it's kind of minor and dissonant to let the other one shine. You know what I mean? Because there's not much to it. It's almost a vehicle just to like have a springboard for the under the ball. You know what I mean? Well, well the, the the chorus changes from a, a a major key to a minor key. To that right there. Well, da, yeah, that right da, da, da. Right. But here's the thing. That, I love that call and response. And I think that's dope. It's super cool. Under the it's almost like something that, that was written for a musical. A little bit. That's I think it's a classic call about. and response kind of thing. It's like, I think it's, it's, it's a bit of a device to your point, but like, I think that's great. And to your point, Neil, they use it so well because then they open it up coming out of it. And this is actually a similar formula to like some of the uh, Pink Floyd songs where it's like three simple parts, each great, but one is like each one's better than the previous well, one. Well, 
And they Pink Floyd flips it around. Most of it's minor, and then they have a like a, a sweet major there resolve, is no and then right back to receiving. They go to that major. <laughs> oh, oh. No. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Real quick, while we're talking about songwriting, it, we should say that it was written by Kenny Young and Arthur Resnick. Young was a writer, also wrote songs for Herman's Hermits, and Arthur Resnick wrote "Good Lovin'." Mm. Uh, for the Rascals, mm. um, and this song was reached number four on the uh, on the what, charts. What year was it? Nineteen sixty-four. In this simple song, and that's the why it's so amazing. It's so simple, and it pulls you into a time and situation in human civilization that had never happened. There never been a situation like where for thirteen and fourteen year olds are just hanging out, running around, playing games, not working at the mill or in the mine or out hunting rabbits or whatever. Where it's a different era in humanity, and I think this just celebrates it. So yeah, it's almost it's like a it's like a dream. Oh, escape! This is definitely a dreamscape. <laughs> is a this dream is scape. as much of a dreamscape. Dream. Okay, so what, what's your Jonathan? What's your favorite line? Well, okay, to your point, it's melody driven, so. Your best, my favorite line, wants to gravitate toward the best part of the melody, but ah. in, in in not saying that, I'll just when it starts. I just when it, it, it I'm always happy this song came on. Like anytime it comes, I'm like I'm glad this song. <laughs> Life is better when the song is on. Yeah, for sure. I would say <clears throat> my favorite line because it wraps it all up. The rest is just kind of dressing, but on a blanket with my baby, that's where I'll be. Like that's what the song is about. Yeah. His woman and the blanket. And where they're at, not any of the, the food and the, the heat. You know? But you smell it, so, man. You smell that shit. Yeah, yeah, I know you smell it. But the point of this, like, that would all be fine and good. But without the baby on the blanket, that don't mean shit. Oh, it's true. That's true. <laughs> French fries in a blanket. I always thought the first two lines of the song dropped you into the dream. Right. Because he's up on he's 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 actually it's actually a callback to up on the roof because the first two lines are mm-hmm. when the sun beats down and burns the tar up on the roof and your shoes get so hot you wish your feet your tired feet were fireproof it's like i always thought this was like you were a working guy or woman up on a roof roofing and then you just sit down and think of where you'd rather be you'd rather be under a boardwalk with your baby right so so, and so always, you're thinking this is andy dufresne on the roof yes cracking open a cold <laughs> with, with red hey, and do you trust your wife? freaking <laughs> but but my my fa- <laughs> my but my favorite line specifically is the and I don't know if this is because of the vocal but mm, you can almost taste the hot dogs and French fries they sell I just I love the way I, that is yeah. always the most memorable line to me other than the like Jonathan you were the- saying the under the sea just because the melody is so nicer you you love it so much because it sounds like Sam Cooke. Yes. It's definitely other, right. That's a good reason. There's nothing wrong I mean, with not, that. No, no. I mean, it's not like it's the Greta Van Fleet. That's what I would say. It's actually Sam Cooke. This is like of that. It, Sam Cooke has more songs this good, but this song is as good as a Sam Cooke song. And I love Sam Cooke. He's my favorite singer. Yeah. I, I can't argue with that. This would have been a good song of his. I love how, like, this doesn't happen as much now, like in California, because it's not as hot, but like we go to the beach in South Carolina, Myrtle Beach. I'm talking Myrtle Beach trunk. <laughs> um, I've definitely been to Myrtle Beach, but this, like, when, especially when you're a kid, you know, and like, and the sand is just feels so hot. And that whole about you wish your feet were fine. Now I don't. Now that you mentioned though, I don't understand. Actually, is it do they shoot themselves in the foot or when the sun beats down and burns? 
Well, if and you're walking shoes, on a roof, but and not the saying, sun's it's been not out saying all day. he's on a roof. He's not saying he's on a roof. He's just saying when the sun beats down up on the roof and your shoes. I'm interpreting that as if you're on a roof and, you're, and like your shoes are hot mm-hmm. because the roof is so hot well, like, from the sun. Josh was saying that because their first song was about being. On right, a roof, I think he's so. saying it's almost like it's almost like a sequel. Yeah, I don't think this guy's on the roof though. It's not really. He, this guy is not on the roof. He's just saying it, when it's crazy hot and you know how hot like because they're from New York, right? So it's like a the, the you know when the it's just one of those days it's crazy hot. Well, I don't know where the writers are from. Well, <laughs> right, but he's saying but so what, what he's saying if you look at the lyrics, he's saying it's one of those days when it's that kind of hot. I'm gonna be in blue. Yeah. yeah, but Josh has the right to view it as <laughs> they're on the roof. Well, I'm not saying Josh didn't have the right to view <laughs> it. Just I'm just saying, saying I don't his interpretation. Why, but I just and I still I still think it makes sense. It still makes sense in terms of you can look at it as somebody working on a roof on a hot day and being like, God, I wish I was on the boardwalk with my with my right, girl. This like, guy works. This guy's saying that's I, the beauty I of a song. Saying. You can you can take whatever you want from it. I, I'm not disagreeing with you. Okay. I'm saying that's how I've always interpreted the song. So well, the reason why like you realistically did such emotional responses because I just said it's a perfect song, and I thought, wait a minute, did they just fuck up the writing in the first lyric, and I didn't ever even realize it? Because if they had said they were on the roof, it the song wouldn't really work because it's like, are you on the I, roof? It's, it's not the lyric that I, that is lyric is not the reason I think this is not a purpose song. Uh, we'll no, no, I'm just saying music. if if. I was confused about the perspective of the of the person. I would say it's not a perfect song, and I thought maybe I had overlooked nah. something. Gotcha. But now I don't think he's a. But no. that's the beauty of songwriting. Anybody can interpret it in any as long as it makes sense. Anybody can interpret it in any way that they want. Yes, certainly. <laughs> that is the beauty of <laughs> most songs. <laughs> it's so funny if no one agrees with you. It's like that's not what it's about. <laughs> What? It's like, this isn't like a fuck it. These aren't mystical lyrics. It's just like it's one of those days where it's hot on the roof. I'm in the boardwalk, motherfuckers. Like, I'll yeah, be. but he also doesn't say they weren't on the roof. So yeah. he didn't say he weren't. So, you don't have to say where you are. He didn't say he was or wasn't. But jo- look, motherfucker, Josh the earth is, the is flat, and it's up to you to prove me that it's not. Uh, oh, there are different time zones. If it was, if the earth was flat, you would not have time zones. Next question for the music. One of the my favorite things about it. Um, is there, it's 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 simultaneously there's a lot going on, but it also feels kind of minimal because there's a lot of space. That little whatever that like thing they're scraping that boom that that thing is is great, but the fact that it's just bass it's really bass driven with little dabs of other things, and it, there's a fair amount of a good bit of production on it. But I love the minimalism of baseline then animated. Or not animated, but fleshed out by myriad other sounds. Oh, when the sun beats down and burns the top. So the the instrument you're talking about is a guiro. What is it called? It is a G U I R O. It is a Latin American uh, traditional instrument with an open-ended hollow gourd. With notches on one side that you rub with a stick to to produce the sound. It's uh, mostly Puerto Rican and Cuban, and it's credited to the Taino people of the Caribbean, though that's not absolutely certain. Credit to Wikipedia for that information. We knew that. I agree with you, man. But even even that, seeing that that like the whole song is very Latin influenced, right? I mean, even the like Certainly. little the little guitar licks are very like flamenco almost. Uh, yeah, like when they come in and the drums, like the drum beat. And, and honestly, after listening to the song, I didn't notice the drums until probably the tenth listen. 
And it doesn't happen until like probably over half after the string section, after that little string break. I just notice the drums. They're just very. Hold on. Let's reverse engineer your relationship with drums. What songs do you notice the drums in? But seriously, what songs? You're like, Moby Dick has some drums in it, I think. My favorite part is that jazzy guitar. It's super nice. I mean, and just the way it flourishes throughout the whole song. From the past, hear the happy sounds of a Well, it's crazy because there's three guitar players credited in the song. Everett Barksdale, Bill Sucre, and Bob Bushnell. But it only sounds like there's one guitar track in the song. Well, often with some of this production, there's probably some kind of rhythm guitar going on. You know, some of the beauty of production is the way they can mix it in, and you can't really tell what's good. It's just one big sound. Yeah, like if you turned it off, you would And even if it's way down. Like if you turned it off, you would notice it wasn't there. I like the combination of the... uh, I like the the violins with that tap, that little like spoony sound that tap. I like the fact that it's not just straight ahead like typical pop of that era of production. But what I was gonna say, Josh, you'll notice the more you hear the drums, like the more like kick and especially snare you hear, the more it'll have a rock kind of feel. And this isn't really a rock kind of song, so that's the yeah. songs. The, the, the percussion, I would say, percussion is even more because there there's probably yeah. a kit drummer, but it's not really like a. A, a drummer drummer song it's more of a percussiony but that's so that's probably why it's so understated that you barely you know even recognize it yeah yeah and something we were talking about before the where it goes to the minor it's so funny it's so low it's and they sound so casual singing it because it's so it's like bold woke. you know what i mean there's almost a little like swag to how they're well, uh, well, singing it the vocal is you know i mean it's the drifters they all the guys sound amazing you know, it's pretty, the vocal is pretty unassailable, but it, the the history of the vocal is kind of crazy. Johnny Moore sings a lead, who was in the Drifters pre-58, and then when their manager fired the entire band in 58. <laughs> and then the lead singer on Broadway and Up on the Roof on the same album, Rudy Lewis, overdosed or had a heart attack the morning that they were scheduled to record this song. Mm. And that's when they brought yeah. Johnny Moore in. And Rudy Lewis... Uh, well, he was already part of the band, right? No, he, in the 50s he was. Okay. But they brought him back in because he wasn't part of the band years before. Now, Rudy Lewis, the guy who overdosed or had a heart attack, replaced Ben E. King of Stand By Me fame a couple years before. It really, like the other guys, really only sing the under the board. It's really all Johnny Moore. And then just that under the boardwalk. That's the only thing they're really doing in terms of like background or harmonies. Yeah. And speaking of Benny King, one of the things I like about it, it sounds like Stand By Me when it starts out. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just kind of like the, the bass line and whatnot. But uh, my uh, definitely my favorite part of the song musically is coming out of that first minor part where he just hits that real high it's it's so nice how it sets that up yeah I mean, that that's the best part that's the best part of the song but the dude. thing is the other parts are fucking great that's what's so great it's so good to me it's so good the whole time and then it just goes there i think the the vocal that that little guiro is is such a really cool part of the song it, it almost like you were talking about a dream earlier that kind of is hypnotic yeah, yeah. in how they're playing that and using it and, but the strings to me overdo it a little bit yeah, they're the only thing in there that's not very like Caribbean influenced, and it, it it's kind of a push and pull between. Like, I, I feel like the song would be just as good, if not better, without them.
those strings though, man, they sound no, they sound Mexican. They sound Latin. They don't sound Caribbean. They sound and this whole thing's Latin. It, this that yeah. they sound No, no, no. But but the the guero the guero is Caribbean. Like that is but a so, Caribbean. But that's that's what's this is like the hodgepodge of America. It's a mix. Sure. Right. Sure, sure. You guys were saying I, I just, Latin. The strings are just out of place to me. Uh, okay. That that's kind of what takes it into that too perfect Disney Yes. You know, almost musical that it doesn't have teeth to begin with and that files them down even it, it, it makes it it's it makes it cinematic for sure that, that, that that's the only thing after listening to it for a week and like knowing that i love this song the strings stood out to me as like ah these are unnecessary so you're saying they're the the part you like least about the song which i think is worth talking yeah, about that's the part that would make me say this is not a perfect song but to me they harken back to that like it's a Latin, and you're right. It's a hodgepodge, but they're not trying to be a Caribbean band. It's definitely American. We pull it all, we throw it all. It's the melting pot, and it, but I, there's a point that it's a little. Um, I could see if there's anything that I wouldn't consider changing, it would be that. But I'm not sure what I'd put there. Or if it, what if you take that that little like kind of flamenco guitar? He's put, kind of throwing the licks in and do the same like same tone, same guitar with that same solo. I feel like it would sound better. I guess we're going to find out in a well, couple weeks. <laughs> did you guys listen to the Stones version? Well, yes. No. And yes. it's much better than expected. Really? Well, the the and the music is cool. Like if, yeah. if they had if they had the Drifters vocals over the Stones music, that's that's what I'm talking about. I, right? It, it I could not believe how good the Stones version was. I was like, "Oh, this is just going to be a bad I really, the worst part of the Stones version is mixed vocal. Yeah, because yeah, it doesn't certainly. compare to the well, drifters. and the the harmonies are the pretty, harmonies as well. The vocal <laughs> is, the, the the vocal entirely in yeah, the Stones yeah, version, yeah. although yeah. it's not bad. It's just not drifters level. But the music they do in there is really fucking cool. I yeah, thought it it gives it some bite. I mean, it's the Stones versus the drifters. So what are we talking about here? This is produced by Burt Burns, who is a writer producer who wrote Twist and Shout. Peace of My Heart, Here Comes the Night, Hang on Sloopy. And he produced Van Morrison's song, Brown Eyed Girl, Baby Please Don't Go. The song was arranged by Mike Leander, who worked with the Beatles, Stones, Van Morrison, Roy Orbison, a bunch of other, you know, everyone. I think along with the melody, the production is the other peak of the song. Basically saying that. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a grand production, you know, and just... Saying not the lyrics, I, I mean, I would say there's nothing, like, super special about the music. I think the production puts the music together in a way that it's it makes it special as well. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. The lyrics are, they could be anything. I mean, I think if they do paint a nice picture, but I think the production and the melody is much more important. Well, I would say I would agree the lyrics are the most pedestrian. They're the least special part. There, yes, um, but I think the performance, and while the Stones version, I think the Stones cover of this is better than their cover of "Ain't Too Proud to Beg." Uh, <laughs> it's better than their just my imagination. Yes. Oh it's, yeah, it's better than a lot of their Motown so covers. Their That's third, why I was so surprised. Right. But all they're really doing is just playing the song, right? And actually, this isn't a Motown song, but any of the right. you know, but they're just tr- well, all they're doing is playing the, the song. Like <laughs> they just left all this shit out, but they're just totally straight at it. And they, they they do a good job of it, but the the thing about the production of the song, I would say none of the like musical aspects of the song outside of the guero just being like a certain is that special. <laughs> Sponsored by guero is a funny word, but is that the, is that the name of that Beck album? But <laughs> that's guero. Uh, <laughs> there's there's a that's G U E R O. 
the, the musical parts, I, I, I do think the production has a lot to do in this song in terms of just like the spe- like Jonathan, you said, like, I mean, the song is very, very just bass vocal heavy. Like they make that space, even though there's a lot of instruments going on, mm. there's also just, a, it's very well mixed and organized and arranged. Yeah. And I think just, it, it is very bass centric. And I noticed like in that, uh, the E minor part or the whatever minor part it is, but at the end where they're like, boardwalk boardwalk like that'll rumble your woofers you know like it's so it cracks loud. it cracks yeah, Distorts, yeah, oh yeah you know yeah i came across something just on the production um is that jerry wexler the head mm-hmm. of atlantic records found mm-hmm. this song yes. and he wanted the drifters to do it and they weren't too hip about it they're like eh, i don't know they didn't like it too much and he's like you're doing the song <laughs> nice <laughs> get him jerry so from there i think we can slide under the influence a little bit sure can this song is very much of the stand by me cupid uh draw back your bow sam cook influence that also then led to or maybe as a contemporary of it, it's brown eyed girl all those kind of tunes and the temptation this led to, i think um, like the temptation it was about the same time as some of the temptations but it's a uh, just quintessential soul music with a fair amount of thought going into the production and arrangement. It's not, the earlier stuff is a little more straight ahead and this is, they're, they're mm-hmm. starting to expand it a little bit here. Yeah. And that, that's exactly what I had written down. Uh, Sam Cooke, Benny King, and then led to Brown Eyed Girl, <laughs> which, <laughs> which um, I definitely prefer that. I feel like that's a better version of this painted picture, this young love, like, you know, they're, under the stadium or whatever in Brown Eyed Girl, but it's just such a, it just speaks to me a lot more than this song does. It was a couple years later. Well, and it's um, the same, it's the same producer. Yeah. Bart Burns. As you're saying, you think it's a perfect song. I think Brown Eyed Girl is better. So You think it's more perfecter? I would not, if you said Jonathan Brown Eyed Girl is more perfecter, I would agree with you. Well, if you had if, if you had to choose one for Brown the rest of your life, what would you take? Brown Eyed Girl is one right, of my favorite go. songs ever. I would always say like something like this kind of is it has a direct correlation with disco. Okay, expand on that. <laughs> Explain yourself. What did this influence? A, like a, after the '60s? Well, just a super polished pop. Yeah, it's R and B kind of. I mean, I. Yeah, I don't really get the disco thing. I mean, I think I can tell where you're coming from. And it's I think it's amazing how this kind of music did inspire people like Van Morrison to take it in a completely different style, but the same kind of message of young love. Like, this inspired a lot of songs throughout the, the ages of, you know, just kind of the, painting that picture of, like, teenage years, boardwalk, you know. Well, in a sense, the Guerrero kind of... <laughs> Jesus. The gear kind of makes it, it. It kind of makes it sound a little. Are you just trolling us? It kind of makes look. Look, the gyro kind of makes it sound like Wicked Game a little bit. Just throwing that out there. Oh, you're, you're all over the place. Remove everything but the gyro, oh. and it's so. Wicked, does wi- it's wicked the Wicked Game. Game come from disco or lead? To, like, what's the relationship between Wicked Game and disco? I'm curious about that one. And the, the weekend. The time is a time Draw, is a flat circle, dots. Jonathan. Time is oh a flat circle, bro. Uh, that shit is so funny. Uh, it's not like all this stuff that I'm saying sounds directly like this. I just think the roots of it is in this, something like this song. They're not breaking new ground here, but it's 
just so well done. And so because they're not breaking new ground, the devices and the architecture of the song is just inherent in songwriting. Yeah, and I, I, I'll still push back on your perfection, too, because, I mean, one of the influences we both mentioned, Benny King, like Stand By Me is this painted picture, too, and it's Stand By Me is far Well, superior. so I don't know if I said it's a perfect song or if I said it's perfect music. And it is perfect music to me. Like To me, that once songs cross a certain threshold, like... I can't say like what's better, you know, comfortably numb or give me shelter. Like I don't know. I mean, you just can't. It's just great, and this is just great. All right, it's candy. They're all. Ca- it's candy. I'm like, it's a, it's a treat. Candy. I like candy. It's not, but it's it's not it's not candy corn, but it's also not. It's cotton candy. Not not a peanut butter cup. You know, it's like it's like a it's like a. It's like an M M&M. and M. It's, it's a- like an M and M. You know, it's it's. So what's the relationship between M and M's and disco? <laughs> Can you make that connection for me? Paint me that picture. Let Josh. me think. I can only think peanut M and M. What? <laughs> what kind of music is that? Uh, anyway, that's the only that's the only M M&M and M that exists. But <laughs> so why don't we hop under the covers real quick and discuss? We've already discussed the Rolling Stones cover, which I think is the best cover of the song. But there are so many covers of this song. Of course. Yes, and yes. Neil, I know Jonathan, you definitely didn't listen to any of them. Neil, what's your favorite cover of this song? I'll just let you two get into the covers. I'll sit back and watch. Is that, you're such a you're such a voyeur, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. I, can see, I didn't say I want to watch. <laughs> um, well, I my favorite cover, um, which I heard right before we got started here, I found a version of Los Lobos doing it. I, it's perfect for them. I love their sound. Um, they do it very true. Like it's it's a very sweet yeah. sound, but even the way it is already kind of Latin yeah. or south of the border, they kind of lean into that, which is nice. Um, and then obviously the Bruce Willis version is just uh, just something to behold. Oh my god! It really. Why is. did that ever happen? It is so because Bruce. It is so overproduced. Even the fact oh that like god. he can't sing, you can just tell like where they cut him off. It it starts off with birds and then some guy talking to him as he's entering a tiki bar. There's seagulls, bro. Seagulls. <laughs> well, so so there's a cover by. The setting the scene. They're, they're outside of the. Does he say "yippee uh, ki motherfucker" at any point in that song? No, oh, no, 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 no. Don't ever listen to it. You won't like this song. I have again. to do it now. Um, but the, but the problem is, it, with this song, is the Rolling Stones did it surprisingly well. There's a band called the Tom Tom Club, which kind of messed with the lyric a little bit. They they kind of have fun with it. It's not terrible, but I'm never going to listen to it again. The California Honey Drops do a live version that sounds great. The guy can really hit the, the, the melody, and it sounds really nice. John Mellencamp mm. did one, which was a B-side for R-O-C-K in the USA. I like that it's song. super cheesy. Yeah, I didn't listen to Mellencamp's version. I, I, after after Bruce, I couldn't. Well, Mellencamp and Bette Midler are actually musicians. Like, yeah, um, not they, unlike Bruce Willis, Bruce Mellencamp Willis. and Bette Midler. <laughs> yeah. Willis, Bruce. boss, boss. So Willis. I have Bruce. Uh, yeah, Willis. Uh. Well, the, the Bette Midler and Mellencamp versions are just super cheesy. But there is one by Kenny Tibbs. Which is a basically an advertisement to visit Holly Beach, Louisiana, which no longer exists, and it is a kind of a parody Cajun version that is worth a listen. Huh? It is definitely worth a listen. Yes, I would. I would definitely 
Check out the list a little bit. Jonathan, check out I absolutely the list. will. It made me think about how this song is of the Richie Valens kind of that. It's a little obviously later than mm-hmm, that, but it's mm-hmm. that like O'Donna and those kind of tunes. Oh, man, that's mm-hmm. a good one. Uh, well, so Jonathan, how does the shoe fit? The shoe fits like actually no shoe at all. Just being barefoot, running around, having a good time when you are old enough to start to get in trouble, but not old enough to really get in too much trouble. You don't have a whole lot of risk. It's a perfect mix of new experiences and lack of responsibility. Just like don't die, don't get anybody pregnant, don't go to jail, then you're probably work your way out of anything else that doesn't happen so it's a good it's a good time it's life simple then don't do those three things now i have those three things and a bunch of other shit to worry about it's a, it's a cautionary <laughs> now i have those and a bunch of other stuff uh neil um the shoe does not fit but it's only a half size off it's only it's, it's like a pair of shoes that someone gifted you that just sits in the closet so you like the style it's just um, not quite the right size kind of it's like i said it's like someone gifted you a pair of shoes and you're like oh thank you uh, they're not the right size. I'll just put them in the closet. You don't want to throw them away. Would you ever put this song on of your own volition? No, I never have. And I, I imagine after we've talked about it so much, sometime in my life, um, it probably has a little more, um, holds a little more weight now that I've put so much time. <laughs> Weekend, afternoon, summer barbecue, throw it on. You'll be glad you did. Uh, no, I'll put on Stand By Me and Brown Eyed Girl. That's that's <laughs> that's six minutes of song. For the next fucking hour, you need a couple more songs. <laughs> oh, I got plenty. I got what plenty. What you got, Josh? Uh, I'm going to say this fits like your favorite pair of flip-flops. Well, you've been wearing my flip-flops? <laughs> Josh, it's always boots or flip-flops. Is it a casual <laughs> flip-flop or a dress flip-flop? Jonathan, you kept them warm. That's why why wearing, I, I don't them. like you wearing my flip-flops. <laughs> <laughs> and on uh, and on that note, well, Jonathan Horton is going to play a version of "Under the Boardwalk" by the Drifters. Under the roof by the Drifters. When the sun beats down and burns the tar upon the roof. And your shoes get so hot You wish your feet were fireproof Under the boardwalk Down by the sea On a blanket with my baby Is where I'll be some fun people walking above we'll be falling in love under the boardwalk boardwalk from the park you hear the sound of a carousel you can almost taste the hot dogs and french fries they sell
The cover you just heard was performed by Jonathan Horton. Thanks for listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate on Apple, iTunes, and Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like to communicate with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at PodGaveRock. Next week is Neil's week. So, Neil, what will we be talking about? We will be talking about the Flaming Lips song from 2002, Do You Realize? Can't wait! Ha, 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 ha.